biology class. By the way, oh. the beginning part of this was a name. I don't know how to spell the name. I could have just written GFG. I just wrote it down in a way that, huh, well, to be honest with you, fuck it. I'm going to write down Guza, Gauza. I don't give a fuck. So that's what I wrote down right there just to show you. So here okay. we go. Back in the 1930s, a biologist named G.F. Gauza first proposed what's known as Gauza's hypothesis. Gauza said that whenever you've got two similar species competing for the exact same limited resources, one of them will have some sort of advantage, however slight, that'll eventually enable this species to dominate and ultimately exclude the other one, even cause it to become extinct. That's why Gauss's hypothesis came to be called the competitive exclusion principle. Gauss did some lab experiments, like placing two paramecium species in the same environment where they'd have to compete for the same food. He found that over time, one species was consistently able to drive out the other, to eliminate it from the habitat, just as his hypothesis predicted. Now, one of the early criticisms of Gauss's hypothesis was that Sure, it works in simple lab experiments where you have just two competing species in a controlled environment. But the hypothesis falls apart when applied to natural ecosystems where things are more complex. Now, it's true that in the real world there are lots of examples that seem to contradict the hypothesis. For example, in the forests of New England in the northeastern United States, there are some small songbirds called warblers. And right in the same area, you've got five species of warbler, all about the same size and all having similar diets of insects, uh, insects that are found on and around trees. Yet, these five warbler species all manage to coexist. There's no dominance, no exclusion of one species by another. How's this possible? Well, turns out that one warbler species feeds in the uppermost branches, while others favor the middle branches and others feed toward the bottom of the tree. Also, each warbler species breeds at a different time of year. This way, the period of peak food requirement, um, when, when the birds are feeding their chicks, uh, varies from one species to the next. Uh, yes, Mark. But does that really contradict Gauss's hypothesis? Because, I mean, are those different warbler species really competing for the same food? I don't think so. I, I think they're more like, you know, almost cooperating so they don't have to compete. Excellent. To the casual observer, the warblers do seem to contradict Gauss's hypothesis since they all live in the same place and eat the same types of insects. But if you observe these birds more closely, the warbler species are not really competing with one another for the exact same food at the exact same time. Which brings us to a really important concept in ecology, the niche. Mark, uh, can you tell us what an ecological niche is? The place where the plant or animal lives. You know, its habitat. Mm, for example? Uh, like the polar bear living in the Arctic on the ice sheet. The Arctic is its niche, the habitat it's adapted to survive in. Okay, um, that's what most people think of. But for biologists, the concept of a niche also includes the way an organism functions in its habitat, how it interacts with other plant and animal species, and with the soil, the air, the water, and so on. Okay, now let's put it all together. If you have two similar species competing in the same niche, 
What's going to happen? Susan? Uh, one will dominate the other and eventually eliminate it. Okay. So what could the weaker species do to improve its chances of survival? Maybe just move to some other area, you know, away from the competitor. That's one possibility. But think of the scientific definition of a niche. Think about the warblers. Mark? Maybe it could find some new way of functioning in its habitat so it wouldn't have to compete with the dominant species. Keep the same habitat but not the exact same niche. Yes, um, and there are many ways to do that. The dominant species feeds in one part of the tree, and you feed in another. If the dominant species needs lots of water, you develop the ability to survive on very little water. You survive on what's left over. Water, food, nesting or breeding sites, whatever. Okay, a lot of redundancy in that last 45 seconds. Now, if I look at this, okay, so what's the overall idea about? The two similar species competing with one another, okay? G.F. Gauza talks about, you know, what is it? The competitive X-something X principle. I have no fucking idea. So he did it in regards to lab experiments, and it ended up proving his experiment to be true. However, in the wild, it's totally different. She went into an example in terms of the warblers, Okay, and it's interesting because all these birds live together because they feed in different areas of the tree, the upper, the middle, the bottom. And so there was a question, the little the boy says, does it contradict because they're not competing, they're actually cooperating. The teacher confirms that. So then I go down and I'm trying to just recreate this entire narrative in my head in my own words. So then it's going to be a little bit easier. But nonetheless, I write it in different ways where I have the main idea, I have some details, and I always write down the questions. I always write down the questions because mainly those questions will pop up in different forms throughout the questions. So let's see. Let's check out this bad boy. What is the main purpose of the lecture? All right. Well, I broke it down. This isn't about GF or anything, but let's check this out. A, to explain why a species of warbler might become extinct? Fuck no. Absolutely not. <laughs> B, to discuss the evidence that led Gauss to formulate his hypothesis? Absolutely not. C, to examine a hypothesis? Ooh. About what happens when species compete? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'll give it a 50 out of 100. D, to identify factors that allow some species to dominate others? Ooh. So we're kind of in between C and D, are we not, Isis? For me, is uh, letter B. You think it's B? Yes. I know okay. that you said that, that uh, B completely no. To discuss the evidence, and the evidence would be mm, that led to Gauss to formulate his hypothesis. Actually, not too bad, because we are discussing the evidence. But are we examining a hypothesis? D, I don't like D now. So I do, but I do believe it's between B and C. For you, what? What were you going to say? For me, B. Okay. All right. All right. See, I wouldn't be surprised, but let's see. See, I knew it. To examine a hypothesis. 
that's what we're doing about what happens when and what, what is it what was that no um, um okay it's fine <laughs> right so to discuss the evidence but then again, no. examine a hypothesis. The hypothesis was mentioned at the beginning and what happens when some species compete. We have lab, and, and a mm -hmm. lab examination, and we have a wild examination with the warblers. So that kind of goes over just about everything. So that's probably why it would be C. Okay. Oh boy. All right, that was a little trickier. Let's do it. According to Gao's hypothesis, what happens when two similar species compete for limited resources in the same habitat? Now, process of elimination. This will help you a lot. I want you to eliminate. This one should be very straightforward. Um, one of uh, letter D. You said letter D. Letter D. You think that's the answer? Hmm? You think that's the answer, that or you're eliminating it? No, I think that is the answer. Now check this out. This is what I wrote down. I'm gonna trust my notes. My definition is that when two similar species are competing, one will have the advantage. It will dominate and it will push out the other, exclude the other, is probably that, uh, even they, into extinction. The student said that uh, one uh, of the species uh, will spread to a new habitat or the other one, uh, the other thing that they said is that uh, the species is eliminated. Okay, so the student he both. didn't mention both. he didn't mention anything until way after this though. We're still at the top half of our notes. You see what I mean? So there are different sections of our notes. So if we're talking about Gauss's hypothesis, look what I wrote down: G.F. Gauss's hypothesis. This is his hypothesis. This is not the student's hypothesis. So this is where you got to make sure that you're looking at specific areas in your notes to make sure that you don't make the wrong, you know, the wrong, you know, you know, select the wrong answer. Now, to be honest with you, we could hurry up and eliminate both A and B because A says both species develop nutritional requirements. Absolutely not. I did not write that down. We'll change their mm -hmm. behaviors. I did not write that down. If they live in the same habitat, one will dominate the other. Now, the students answer, yes, you are right. Maybe he did say, we'll spread into a new habitat. But the thing is, we're talking about Gauss's hypothesis, not the student's hypothesis. So let's yeah, okay. see. C is the answer, like I said. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got to trust your notes. Remember to move like from top to bottom. You said student, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Student didn't start speaking until about one and a half minute, two minutes in. We're going too far. Stay at the top. Because okay. we're talking about Gauss's hypothesis, okay? Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. All right. These are very, very good understanding now. This is good because now you're like, oh, damn, I'm going too far. Okay, let me stay up here. You know what I mean? So this <laughs> <Yes>. is good. 
aha, now the five warbler species. I wrote that down right over here. Okay, you see? So now I know where I'm gonna be at in my notes. It says, how do the five warbler species described by the professor manage to coexist by feeding in different sections of the tree? Good, oh shit, that was quick. Okay, okay, well, yo, don't worry, don't worry. On TOEFL, it's not gonna do that to you. Okay, this Chinese mm -hmm. website is a, a full of ass. But I got very excited because B, absolutely. So I said, okay, B, mm -hmm. and then it says D too. By breeding at different times of the year, and guess what? I have that in my notes too. So yes, on TOEFL, it's going to say, choose, select two, you know what I mean? And so that little section right here, I got five species. They breed in different parts and different times of the year, B and D. All right, that was quick. How'd you know that one so quick, Isis? Why was that so mm -hmm. fast? Why was it fast? What happened? You have it in your notes? I have my notes here. Okay, and you wrote that down too. See, you wrote down a lot of notes and you write down a lot of notes, Isis, but the thing is we have a tendency of writing down a whole lot of nothing. You want to know why? Mm -hmm. Look what I wrote down over here. If that is not covered in the audio, that means I had wasted so many words writing down nothing. So is there all? Is there a perfect way of writing down notes and knowing exactly what is going to be talked about? Absolutely oh. not. I'm just going to do it in a way that, well, to a certain extent, okay, let me just throw this out here and see if it works. <laughs> okay, so mm -hmm. let's see. Let's go to number four. What is the professor's opinion about the Gauss's hypothesis? Ooh. Let's see. Now, we're in the bottom half because then the question came in with the student. Doesn't it contradict? They're not competing, they're cooperating. And the professor agrees. So could that be what this question is referring to? Potentially. I think that is letter D, the last one. She believes that it's contradicted by the competitive exclusion. But the competitive exclusion principle. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a very good point, Isis. Because the competitive exclusion principle is based on lab experiments. It's not based on, I love that. I love that. She thinks it's not adequately investigated. No, contradicted. Ooh. It's contradicted by basic laboratory. Ooh, what about B? She thinks it is contradicted by basic laboratory experiments, or she believes that it is contradicted by the competitive exclusion principle. Or, okay. or ISIS is the competitive exclusion principle the Gauss's hypothesis? If so, then the answer is B. Mm -hmm. It's me. I'm not going to be surprised if it's B. Let's see. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is bullshit. She thinks that it is, has not been disproved. Uh, that's a load of shit because it technically was disproved. So, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't make any sense. It was disproved because the hypothesis was based on lab experiments. 
However, in the wild, it's totally different. Therefore, it contradicts. I'm sorry. I don't believe A. I think the Chinese fucked this one up. Then letter B. It's, it, it's got to be letter B because it's contradicted by basic laboratory experiments because the principle, the hypothesis is the principle, and it was contradicted because that's not what happens in the wild. So get the fuck out of here. That's bullshit. All right, let's keep it going. What does the professor imply about the relationship between an organism niche and a habitat? So now we're going down to the bottom. I really didn't even write much down in terms of this, but the niche is where the plant and animal lives. The example would be a polar bear living in a niche. However, I believe the habitat for biologists includes how organisms function, like the soil and the air. So, A, an organism's niche is exactly the same as its habitat. Ooh. An organism niche is only partly defined by its habitat. Ooh. An organism's habitat is almost always more complex than its niche. <laughs> These are like all the same answers. An organism can change its... Oh, no, it cannot change anything. So we could eliminate D. That's good. Huh. <sighs> I believe it's between B and C. The reason why I'm eliminated A is because it's not the same. It's more that, technical. In the lecture, the when the the, the student said that the the niche is where animals live in the habitat, they she said that is what um uh, uh almost people uh it's what, what all people think about but she I understand I I feel that she said that because it's grown. Ah, I see what you mean. Okay. Mm -hmm. For me it's no A and for me it's no B. Okay. For me. So B you think it's C. C. B Okay, B or C. It's only okay, so only for partly me, defined? For me, is letter C. I'm going B. I, I don't know I'm why. going B. Okay, now check this out. I was very confused by this right here. Almost always. Oh, yeah. An organism's habitat is almost always more complex. What does almost always mean? <laughs> Who, what the fuck is a almost always? What is that, 99% of the time? I don't know what that means. Now, the niche is only partly defined. Why? That's where a polar bear lives. However, the broad definition is the soil, the air, everything. So that's why I went with partly, because partly means where it lives. The broader definition is the soil, the air, everything. That's why I like that one. C, I eliminated it. It's not that I didn't pick it. I eliminated it. And by eliminating it, it's because it's always more complex than its niche. It's not about the complexity. It's more about the broader definition. So that's why I didn't like C and I eliminated C. It's not that I didn't select it as an answer. I eliminated it because almost always more complex. It's not about complexity. It's a broader definition. 
or maybe it could be a more specific definition. Nonetheless, B fits that description better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's all okay. about becoming a tactician. <laughs> it's all about, you know, you know, trying to figure out, okay, hold on, almost always. Yeah, so that's the one that kind of threw me off. So, okay, you got to keep practicing. Let's go. Ooh, why does the professor say this? Listen again to part of the lecture, then answer the question. If the dominant species needs lots of water, you develop the ability to survive on very little water. You survive on what's left over. Ah, if the dominant species takes all the water, you only survive on what's left over. That's going to eliminate the competition and the killing. That is what the professor is trying to say. To encourage other students to participate? Fuck no. To correct an error? To encourage the student to answer more specifically? Or to confirm that the student's answer is correct? Huh. Let's look at C. Let's do the process of elimination, Isis, to encourage the student to answer more specifically. What does that mean? No, that's no. Okay, good. So we're then into B and D to confirm that the student's answer is correct or to correct an error. Remember, she's she's being more specific about what the student is saying. That's what her intention is. So is it to correct an error or to confirm? It's more of about a correction, no? Mm-hmm. So do you think it's, it's more B or more D? More B. Okay. Oh, oh! I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> I have no idea how to explain that, to be honest with you, Isis. I think what he said, she was being more specific. That's not a confirmation. Yeah, nah. Yeah, a, a couple of questionable questions on here. But nonetheless, what did we do? I wrote down notes. The whole focus was about the notes. So it wasn't about the answers, this and that. It was about making sure that we wrote everything down possible so that we could answer some of these questions. Now, Isis, by looking at your notes and by us discussing, obviously we were looking at my notes especially, do you think your notes were good enough? No, your notes is better. Okay, because I wrote a lot, but... Did I write my notes differently from yours? Do you think I wrote I wrote my notes differently from yours? Like, do you think it's a little bit different? Mm. 